Good morning, everyone. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we pray that you would be with me as I speak, and that you would send the Holy Spirit on me and on all of us, so that we would understand more about Jesus and how to follow him. Amen. Today we're going to focus on the role of the Holy Spirit as advocate. And Jesus had a lot to say about that during the course of the Last uh, Supper. Uh, We concentrated on part of it last week, Eddie spoke about that, and we're going to look at another part of it this week. So if you have a Bible handy, I would be grateful if you turn with me to John chapter 15, and I'm going to start reading at verse 26. John 15, 26. Now this is Jesus speaking, as I say, at the Last Supper. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All of this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. When he spoke last week, the first point that Eddie made was that the Holy Spirit is not a force or some kind of ethereal power, but a person. And that point is very clear from our passage today. Despite the fact that in Greek the word spirit is neuter, time and again in this passage the spirit is referred to as he. He will testify about me. That's verse 27. He will prove the world to be in the wrong. That's verse 8. He will guide you into all the truth. That's verse uh, uh, verse 13. The Holy Spirit is a person. Not only that, he is divine. Like Jesus, 
He is God. And Jesus calls him the advocate. In Greek, the word is parakletos. And the problem is that there's no exact English equivalent. The word carries the sense of someone who comes alongside another in order to help them, to aid them, give succor, to strengthen. And it also contains legal overtones. In secular Greek, it was used of someone who gave gave aid to another in court proceedings, not in the narrow sense of a lawyer today, but more generally. And it definitely contains that sense in our passage today. Jesus says that he will go out from the Father, proceed from the Father, And some of you may be aware that down the centuries there's been intense theological debate uh, about the precise relationship between the Holy Spirit and on the one hand God the Father and on the other hand Jesus. But I'm not going to deal with that today. That's not because it's unimportant, it is important. It's because that's not what this passage is about. This passage is about the mission of the Holy Spirit. The fact that his mission is to give testimony concerning Jesus. Jesus said, when the advocate comes, he will testify about me. And he calls the advocate the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit testifies to the truth about Jesus. So how does he do that? Well, in many ways, but in particular, He does it through Christians. Did you notice that Jesus said to the apostles, you also must testify? And you may remember he said this just before his ascension. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's Acts 1.8. Now those things were said to the apostles But the New Testament makes it very clear that we too are called upon to bear witness to Jesus. And we too are promised the presence of the Holy Spirit to help us. Again, just before his ascension, Jesus said that we were to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And then he added, I am with you always to the end of the age, not just to the time when the apostles died, but to the very end of the age. And we need to remember that. We need to remember that we are called upon to fulfill that great commission of going to the world. And we need to remember to rely on the Holy Spirit as we do that. We need to pray that the Holy Spirit would help us And we then need to step out in faith. As I was preparing this, I was very convicted that I'm much better about in talking about it than I am in doing it. And that's in spite of the fact that when I do it, when I do pray that the Holy Spirit would help and I do step out in faith, it proves to be much easier than I sometimes fear. We need to overcome that fear and step out. But to be clear, 
We're not told that the Holy Spirit will protect us from problems. Rather, we're told that the Holy Spirit will enable us to keep going through those problems. I suspect that's why, during the Last Supper, Jesus interwove this teaching about the Holy Spirit with warnings about coming persecution and problems. Now, once again, he was talking to the apostles in relation to that. But the New Testament makes it very clear that we are in the same boat as they were in. Some of you will remember that three years ago, we looked at the first letter of Peter. And and in that letter, time and again, Peter warns of, of opposition, of persecution. But if we look at the book of Acts, we will see that the early church was frequently under pressure. They had many problems, but the Holy Spirit was with them. And we should expect the same thing to be true of us. And in this context, it's worth noting what Jesus said next. This comes from the second half of verse 4. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you're filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus didn't talk about these things to his disciples earlier in his ministry because he was with them. But he was going to go away. He was going to be crucified. And he needed to prepare them, to equip them for what would happen thereafter. They were dismayed that he was going away. But he told them two things to strengthen them. First of all, he told them that if he didn't go away, then the Holy Spirit would not come to them. Now, he didn't say that because for some bizarre reason he and the Holy Spirit can't be in the same place at the same time, like Clark Kent and Superman. No, no, he told them that because he had to complete his work, especially by dying on the cross for sin and to rise from the dead before the Holy Spirit could be given. And then he said that the disciples would be better off with the Holy Spirit than they were with his presence. Now, if you think about that, that's an extraordinary thing to say. I suspect that we sometimes think that life would be so much easier if Jesus was here with us. But Jesus expressly contradicted that. No, We are better off having the Holy Spirit's presence with us. Assuming, that is, that we constantly turn to him in prayer and seek his help. So, that's point one. The Holy Spirit testifies to the truth about Jesus. And there's more. Point two. The Holy Spirit convicts. Take a look at verse 8. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. 
about righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Those words, he will prove the world to be in the wrong, may sound a bit cerebral, and there is a cerebral element to them. But their sense is that the Holy Spirit will so convince people of the truth that they will have an inner conviction of it and will respond to it. And what is the thing of which the Holy Spirit will convince people? Well, as you heard, there are three things. First of all, sin. People will not come to Jesus unless they are convinced of their need to do so. They need to be convicted of sin. And while he was on earth, Jesus induced that conviction in people. And since his death, resurrection and ascension, the Holy Spirit does that. And then righteousness. Many people think that Jesus was here speaking about his own righteousness. But for various reasons, I think it's more likely that he was talking about the inadequacy of our righteousness, its worthlessness before God. Many years earlier, Isaiah had written this. This is Isaiah 64, verse 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean. We're sinful. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Realizing the inadequacy of our acts, even our best acts, to atone for our sin is as important as realizing our sin itself. And the Holy Spirit induces a conviction of that fact. And then third, we need to recognize that our wrongdoing, our sin, and the inadequacy of our righteousness really matters. And it matters because God will judge. Immediately after the bit from Isaiah 64 that I've just quoted, Isaiah says this, We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Our sins sweep us away because God judges us. And the Holy Spirit induces a conviction of that. Now, these things have profound implications for the way in which we speak. Speak to our friends, our family and others about Jesus. But first of all, we need to recognize what it is that is necessary for people to receive the good news of Jesus. The Gospels sum up Jesus' message as the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. And there's a danger that we leave out that word repent. And thus we leave out the bad news that alone makes the news about Jesus good news. People need to understand the bad news of sin and righteousness and judgment. But but secondly, it is the Holy Spirit that convicts people of those things. 
Indeed, the Bible says more. It says that faith itself is a gift of God. That's Ephesians 2.8. And do you remember what Jesus said when speaking to Nicodemus? He said, we must be born of the Spirit. You see, ultimately, it's not the clarity of our explanations or the powerfulness or brilliance of our arguments that cause people to turn to Jesus. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to be faithful in witness and to pray that the Holy Spirit would act. And of course, that's why in St. John's, we have what we call pray for three. Now, I hope most of you know what that is, but but there are a number of people who are new, and also I suspect that some of you have forgotten. What it is, is that we encourage every one of us, each individual, to pray for at least three people, friends, family, other people, colleagues, whatever. Pray that they would turn to Jesus. Pray that they would be convicted of sin and righteousness and judgment. So, the Holy Spirit testifies to the truth about Jesus. He convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. And thirdly, he reveals the truth about Jesus. Verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. I should say, of course, Jesus didn't mean there that the Holy Spirit would literally explain everything about everything. Or even, for that matter, everything about God. No, he said the Holy Spirit would guide the apostles into all the truth into an understanding of the truth. But what did he mean by the truth? Well, he said two things about that. Verse 13, he will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears. Hears by implication from God the Father, rather like Jesus who spoke what he heard from God the Father. And then secondly, in the next verse, verse 14, He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Our translators have tried to simplify the language of that. And they may have left us with the impression that Jesus was merely repeating in different words what he just said. But that isn't his point. What it actually says is, the Holy Spirit will take from me, take from me what is mine. In other words, the truth that's being spoken about is the truth about the person and the work of Jesus. And that's why Jesus said that its revelation would glorify him. You may be wondering why it says here that uh, he will tell you what is yet to come. It's possible that Jesus there was referring to revelation about his second coming or uh, the judgment at the end of time. Uh, But it's also possible he was simply referring to understanding his death, 
his resurrection and his ascension, which of course at the time he spoke were yet to come. Now I have to admit I'm not sure which of those is the right understanding or indeed whether both of them are, but it doesn't really matter. What matters is that we see in the book of Acts how this promise of Jesus was fulfilled in the preaching of the early disciples and indeed of course in the writing of the New Testament. For example, think about Peter. Think about the level of understanding of Jesus that Peter had before Jesus' death. We've been looking at that in our recent series from Mark's Gospel. Think about that and then contrast it with the level of understanding that Peter displayed in his Pentecost sermon or that he displays in the letters of his that are part of the New Testament. It's like chalk and cheese. The difference is astonishing. The Holy Spirit had led the Apostle Peter into all the truth. Or think about the Apostle John, whose gospel we're reading here. Think about his level of understanding prior to Jesus' death. Again, we've looked at that in recent weeks. And then contrast it with the level of understanding displayed in his comments in the gospel here or in his letters that are contained in the New Testament. The difference is startling. The Holy Spirit led the apostles into all the truth. Now we need to remember that that promise was given to the apostles and we shouldn't expect the Holy Spirit to reveal new things about the significance of Jesus' person and mission to us. No. However, conversely, we should remember that the Holy Spirit was and remains the spirit of truth. His mission was and still is to testify about Jesus, including to us. So we should expect him to work to grant us further understanding about Jesus, particularly when we read the Bible, which of course was inspired by him. So we should pray that the Holy Spirit would testify to us about Jesus, would give us understanding, particularly when we come to read the Bible. We should pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate it for us. And that, of course, is why we always pray before our sermons in St. John's. Now, I'm very conscious that I haven't spoken about many, many important works of the Holy Spirit, some of which we will come on to later in this sermon series. But in this passage, we are pointed to three really key things. And in closing, it's just worth repeating what they are. First of all, the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. And as we obey Jesus' command, likewise to testify, we should seek the Holy Spirit's help and then step out in faith. Second, The Holy Spirit convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. And we need to remember the necessity of those things 
and pray that the Holy Spirit would act in granting that conviction to those for whom we pray. And then, third, the Holy Spirit reveals the truth about Jesus. And we need to pray that he'd reveal that truth to us now, especially by granting us understanding as we read his inspired word. Amen.